As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one-hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turfgrass industries. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? We call that the DJ scratch for a reason. You know why? Because that means we are kicking off the damn show. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Burn and Return. I, I sounded worse than I intended it to, uh, but here we are. Um, uh, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, this is going to be a podcast. We say it's going to be one hour. Who knows how long it ended up lasting because we have a good time <laughs> doing this. And so we're going we're gonna to go with it uh, until we determined that we have gone with it. And, uh, and what we are going to cover is uh, news and uh, various articles we find around the interwebs relating to our industry, which would be the uh, the turf and lawn care industry, right? And uh, and what we what we try to do is provide perspective from the high end and work our way down uh, to to our level, right? So start macro, finish micro, and uh, and then and then try to provide some insights about what's happening on a macro level uh, and the influence it'll have on our micro level. Um, my name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the grass factor. Uh, alongside me, we have Ray Ito. And returning, we've got Ryan Mother F and DeMay is back. He's been out there literally saving the planet. And uh, and that's in Ryan, don't give me that face. Don't put your put your don't put look your like earmuffs that. on no. so I can I can I'm gonna I'm gonna S you off real quick. Uh earmuffs, uh earmuffs to me. Uh again, we uh, everybody listening, I'm sure, has some exposure to this industry. And um and it gets right now is the most grueling time of the year, right? Uh, what is the old saying is that anybody can grow grass until the 4th of July. It takes uh, a turf grass manager to grow, to grow grass after that. And, uh, and so here we are. We are knee deep in the throes of it. And, uh, and guess what? We do this on our spare time. We all have careers. We're business owners. And every day we are out there doing the absolute best that we can for our family, uh, for our, our careers, and, uh, and especially for our industry, uh, because we give a shit about what we do. Uh, we are dicks, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and preface this right now. This is the disclaimer for the show. We are dicks. Uh, we are assholes. We are not scumbags. So uh, if you're not into that kind of thing, that's fine. You can change the channel. Uh, if you are into that and you can handle a little bit of uh, uh, maybe a bad word here and there, we'll try to keep it in check to some degree, but we do lose our temper because, well, you know, we're passionate, damn it. And um and uh, and and yeah, that's uh, that's just how it's gonna roll. We're gonna try to throw some comedic effect in there. Again, we're three dudes who have been doing this for a long time. Between the three of us, we're talking seventy plus years of experience, and uh, everything from uh, you know, high volume lawn care of the true green corporate lawn care era to uh, super high end sports turf. 
Uh, to people who are revolutionizing sports turf in northern climates using cold-tolerant Bermuda grass, uh, to people who have adopted a turf management style uh, a, a, a golf green or sports field type management scenario and applied it to lawn care. Uh, so you've, you've got the weirdo of weirdos as, as, uh, as cash are going to be taking you through here. We try to take a, um, uh, an evidence-based approach to what we do, but at the same time, we have a lot of experience in the field and it alters the way we do things. Uh, the things that we are going to talk about here is going to be our opinions. And if you don't like it, then literally you can F off. We don't care. Um, uh, but we, we want to give right now a special thank you to all those who do hang around and, uh, enjoy, uh, us, uh, allowing us to be the types of assholes that we are. And, uh, so shout out to our patrons. Uh, if you are into that kind of thing, if you can handle the, uh, uh, I, 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 I will say that we all suffer from, uh, uh, imposter syndrome here. Uh, there's there's a lot of ego there's a lot of imposter syndrome and uh not not what i would consider narcissist like behavior here uh, it's just it's three dudes that grind every day and uh, and we carry a chip on our shoulder because we do know how to work our absolute ass off so our supporters patreon.com forward slash burner return if you're into that kind of thing i want to thank personally all the new patrons we've had a flood of new patrons come in here recently and i am uh forever grateful and i speak for everybody on this panel uh, that has uh, that has has done so because it, to 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 see it and the way it's blossomed even over the last three months has just been wild and uh, and to all our OG patrons that that got us here I mean you know with all the meetups that we've done and uh, the love and support and uh, fundraisers we've done for St Jude that have just gone above and beyond uh, literally the debt of of gratitude that we owe to you will 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 never will never suffice but we will always do our best to provide uh, 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 individualized support and help in any way we can because, uh, gosh damn it, we love you. And also, Jay Pink, behind the scenes, who was the, the, the brainchild that actually got this whole thing off the ground to begin with uh, because I, I hated YouTube and, uh, and it was because of him and, uh, and his ideas and strategizing and organizational abilities uh, that all of this was able to come together. And so let's not forget um uh where that came from as well so thank you jay pink all right i've got all that out of the way boys how the hell are y'all doing uh what's what's uh, matthew mcconaughey say and daisy confused l-i-v-i-n man just keep living <laughs> that's what i'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing. one day at oh. a time boys one day at a time mm -hmm. uh Ray, have you though. have you assaulted anyone with a trident recently I haven't. Thankfully, I haven't. I mean, uh, you know, I've been super good lately. Promise. <laughs> I've been no, super good, actually. That's refreshing. You know, sometimes, sometimes I'm concerned that uh, Ray is going to get himself into a situation where literally the only outlet he has is the Trident, and then it'll be on the news that a lawn care guy used toxic chemicals to uh, um, uh, assault someone, and Here's the thing: is that we we know we know Ray better than that. He he he, he no, is not would, a strike would, first kind of guy. He's uh he's like he's like a snake. You know, you pin a snake into a corner, and they're going to strike. And uh, it's just Ray knows how to strike with with lethality. He he carries venom. Damn it! <laughs> and then and then and then he'll swallow you in its entirety as he dislocates his jaw. It's a it's a strange thing Ray does out there. But you know that's. that's, <laughs> that's <what we're> <laughs> I'm off my rocker tonight. 
I love you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's jump into this week's headline. This is just the news, and uh, you know, hey, look, there's there's um, inflation knows no borders. That is that is for sure. I heard, I heard they tried to build a wall to uh, to resist inflation in Japan, and uh, it did not work. Um, a lot, a lot like our uh, our southern uh, wall there did not work. And, uh, and so inflation has hit Japan and I don't know if anybody's paid attention to, uh, to the Forex market and what has happened to the valuation of the Japanese yen. It is not good. Uh, when my wife and I were married, um, uh, basically a hundred yen was, uh, 130 pennies. And, uh, as of, as of right now, uh, a hundred pennies is, um, uh, it's like it's like 150 yen or something. So the, the the valuation of the yen has just absolutely fallen unprecedentedly, and uh, and so they're they're going through you know monumental amounts of inflation, and as a result of that, as prices soar, Japan returns to human waste fertilizer. It's cheap, recycled, and has centuries of tradition. Shimogoe, or fertilizer from a person's bottom, is finding new favor in Japan as Ukraine's war hikes uh, the price of chemical alternatives. As in several parts of the world, the use of night soil to fertilize crops was once common in Japan. However, the advent of sewage systems and treatment facilities, as well as, as, well as chemical fertilizers, saw it fall out of fashion. About a decade ago, Japanese treatment facilities wondered if they could revive interest to avoid sewage sludge disposal, a costly and potentially environmentally damaging process. Both enthusiasm was limited until Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent the cost of fertilizer soaring. Uh, that has been a bonanza for a facility in northern, Japan, uh, northern Japan's Tomei, where sales of Shimogoe were up 160% year on year by March 2023. For the first time since the city began producing the fertilizer in 2010, it has sold out. The demand is easy to explain. Our fertilizer is popular because it's cheap and it's helping farmers cut soaring costs. Made from a combination of treated sewer sludge from septic tanks and human waste uh, from sets pits, the fertilizer goes for 160 yen per 15 kilos. That's about a tenth of the price of products made from imported raw materials. Uh, so to put that into, into perspective, uh, you know, you're somewhere around like 40 pounds for, um, a, a, for simple math, $1.60. Uh, in southwestern Japan, Saga 2, officials report sales are up two to three times. And dozens of tour groups from municipalities elsewhere in the country have visited eager to replicate the program. Shimogoe was a key fertilizer in Japan's pre-modern Edo era. And uh, a fertilizer specialist was written. Uh, Kobayashi talked about that. Anyway, it goes on. Um, and uh, and gives more into that. So we are all familiar with biosolids in this country, and uh, I think one of the effectively this is biosolids a little bit different, right? We have different class biosolids, and basically the class determines the amount of processing that went into produce said biosolids. So uh, we have class A EQ biosolids, and that's 
typically what we're going to see that we get in like a fertilizer blend from a large blender company for lawn care applications. Then we're going to have like class B and class C that is primarily limited to um, it, it has not undergone granulation. It has not undergone uh, a significant amount of drying. It's more of the, uh, the, the remnants of the wastewater treatment, you know, all the dead bugs uh, that are composted and then immediately turned around and sold. As we have seen in the United States, the story around biosalads right now all comes down to two things. Number one is going to be hormones in it. And we don't know what that looks like. Actually, I'll say three. But we'll say two. Pharmaceuticals, they get passed down through it. But the overwhelming freakout thing that's kind of simmering right now that has not reached ahead by any stretch of means of the imagination, but is definitely there, it is uh, uh, PFAS. And that's going to be plastics, uh, polyfluoral, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that is uh, uh, effectively being concentrated through these wastewater treatments. Um, and, uh, well, you know, it's one of those things that when you run out of options and your back's against the wall, you have to do what you have to do in order to maintain output. And in this particular instance, in order to try and limit the amount of inflation that occurs at the food level, which is ultimately at the population level, and if you want to interrupt a population support, interrupt their food supply, damn it. And uh, we saw that in Sri Lanka at all. And, uh, and so anyway, that is their best method here of trying to contain that. However, I think uh, as this continues on, much like we see at Catch and Steam in the United States, of course, it will there too. Uh, it's just we have the, adv uh, 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 the, the, the luck, I guess, of being ahead on that by about 10, 15 years and uh, significantly more tonnage already in the marketplace. Uh, gentlemen, you see this. What do you think? Are y'all uh, are y'all are y'all panicking? Are you panicking about this? Are you are you, are you pointing and laughing, or is this one of those things where you know it is what it is, and you can't you can't really shoot them for it? You know what? Uh, I think Matt. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, here's the thing: is I come from Asian culture, right? And here's something I know about Asian culture. This is why. We do not eat anything grown unless it's been peeled or pickled or extremely well cooked. That's just how it is. There is no such thing as cutting up vegetables and putting it on a plate in front of somebody just like that. Everything is either peeled and pickled or else it's cooked. This is why. Okay? This is why. Makes sense. I, what were you going to say, Demay? I was just going to say, I think it's it, it, how big this actually becomes or what, what prominence it takes within Japanese uh, society, I, I think remains to be seen. I just think it's people that are responding and trying to come up with different ways, like you said, mm -hmm. to deal with rising fast rising inflation i mean japan went through this uh not necessarily on an agricultural scale but you know what was it 30 little over 30 years ago you know when inflation went through the roof there and um yep. major economic problems so i think listen if uh if you got to shit out your fertilizer you get some big problems you, you got to work on that so <laughs> it, literally it's that, the least uh, of their concern right that's what I was going to say is that they're always going to be a net importer. It is what it is. And uh, it, it's, it's fodder here for the Japanese times though. By the way, um, go Matt, ahead. Go ahead. Matt, you know, you know, when you said that 
you now know, see the Japanese yen being at 150 yen to the dollar. Mm-hmm. Matt, I was, a, I was around when the Japanese yen was literally 200 plus per dollar. Oof. However, why not? No, but you know what that meant? Although we're, I'm not seeing the effect of that now, is that meant that all of the high quality equipment from Japan was relatively economical given its quality. In other words, I remember when Maruyama and Shindaiwa's stuff was cheap. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe the uh, resale value of Hondas will uh, will fall into, into check now, you know, where you, you'll, you'll be able to get a, a used Honda Accord at a more affordable price now. Probably not. Uh, on no. our front here in the United States, we are seeing a continuation of fertilizer prices decline. Uh, you know, kind of good news, bad news here. The good news is um, we are seeing fertilizer prices continue to climb. Now, we do have some pretty wild variability among prices, right? So uh, this is going to be ag distributors that are selling in monumental amounts. Urea is selling anywhere from 350 a ton to 720 a ton uh, bulk, right? So, uh, you know, that that's a that's a you know hundred percent variation there between your your low end and your high end. That tells you the kind of volatility that's still hanging around in the market. Uh, potash is another one we are not seeing a ton of softening there. Map has fallen into a somewhat more reasonable price range, uh, floating around six fifty to eight twenty. DAP is still off the charts, just insane at eight ten to eight fifty. Um, uh, a UAN liquid is still incredibly expensive and anhydrous ammonia is, uh, well, I, I'd say that's pretty incredibly expensive too. Now, um, on the flip side, what is causing this right now? What is causing this right now is the fact that, uh, we, we've got a situation called supply and demand, right? And on the, uh, supply and, uh, on the, on the, uh, I'll start here on the demand side of this. What is happening is, is that. China is the number one importer of U.S. crops, right? And they typically buy a monumental amount of grain from us. And this year, uh, where uh, we are greater than 50% decline on what they normally uh, import from the U.S. And what they typically import from the U.S., they have abandoned and they are now going to. And we're 50% right now, and that's forecasted to be significantly higher by the end of the year. Um, and uh, what they have done is they have opted to go to South America and uh, and buy grain from there. And you know, part of this is, is that play on you know trying to uh, uh, minimize the strength of the dollar in the marketplace and the domination of the dollar in the marketplace. There's some back end noise of that. Um, and then you know the the other thing too is that you know we've got a lot of tensions going on between uh, Taiwan and everything else. And you know you uh, from from there. Uh, national security uh, uh, perspective. It's, you know, where what we need redundancy in suppliers, right? And so uh, if you rely on imports for uh, sustaining of your population, then, you know, who are we going to dip to? And in this particular reason, in this particular instance, they're, they're, they're moving to South America. So that's bad for us because then what happens is that we're left with an insane amount of supply on the crop side, on the grain side. And, uh, and what that means is that uh, all these farmers are in and need a $6 a bushel corn 
uh, in order to remain profitable. And we're not mm. quite floating around mm. there. And, um, and then same thing on beans, beans, we've, we've fallen too low on the value of beans in order to be profitable. And so we've got all these farmers that leverage a shit ton of credit in order to, uh, uh buy all these inflated input costs, all the input costs dropped, all the, uh, demand side from the, uh, export market dropped. And, uh, and now they're going to be stuck with a monumental loss of a year. And guess what? They're going to have to be bailed out, right? Um, because that's, that's typically what we end up see happening with, with agriculture and, uh, and, and the, and the way it's modeled right now. And so, uh, if I had to guess this time next year, the, the number one talking point we're going to hear is the farm bailout, right? And, uh, and it's going to be everything from equipment purchases that were purchased at incredibly inflated rates, uh, grain storage at incredibly inflated rates. And, uh, and now everyone's stuck with those notes and they got a crop that is at a loss too. So bad, 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 bad. We've had great weather that, uh, you, 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 you might have seen a little bit of a, of a, of a rally there, but, uh, actually that good weather was bad news because, uh, that means our yields are going to be higher. Therefore our supply is even greater and we have a demand that is already at an all time. Well, you know, re- modern era low. So uh no no point no boys um at least from the standpoint of of from an economic standpoint related to the industry and uh now <laughs> at our level at the micro level this is all good news for us right because we've got all this excess supply and someone's going to buy it and i'm hearing you tell me if y'all are hearing the same thing i'm hearing right now on the lawn care side of things by and large people are holding on to cash and not spending money right now as compared to the last two years are y'all hearing similar things you're, you're talking from a customer perspective or from a business yeah perspective? from a a, a a distributor uh a, 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 a so b2b so d- distributor to lawn oh. care companies i'm hearing that I, that money is is uh not a lot of of is being spent right now i think that's a function though of what i'm hearing around here is b2c especially in the residential side is down significantly at least at least inbound right so uh there are and this is just conversations anecdotal stuff here in second third hand too is that you know the calls are down uh significantly here over the last probably six weeks or so basically since school let out and uh that's typical typical here but not to the level that they're July. seeing. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, hard to say that. I mean, I, I think the last two years are an aberration. Like you can't take that as normal business practices for anybody. Right. Because people had mm-hmm. shitloads of cash. They had to do something with, and and it was a good time to invest in equipment because either one, you couldn't get it and you had to wait. And so you had to make that investment to get it now to make money with it. Or, if it was materials, you thought, well, hell, I'm going to hedge and either buy something now or I'm going to wait and maybe I'll get screwed. And there were some people that were in on the front end of that that did pretty well. And there were some people in on the back end of that that did do pretty well. But either way, it was a hedge because at some point you ate shit in that whole deal on, on products, right? So I think at this point now, I think it's just a function of responding to the market. I think that you know, people are being more cautious with their money. This whole, uh, if the student loan thing plays out, um, in the real world, the way that it's expected to, I think that's going to shrink household budgets quite a bit, uh, particularly in the, probably a lot of the segments that uh, lawn care folks work in, right? Middle-class people that finance their college education that do okay, right? Or better, they're in middle-class, but 
if they got to make a three, four, five, six hundred dollar a month loan payment, I would say that lawn care is probably off the market now. You know, hey, here, here's a flip side of this on the, you know, leading into here in a few minutes, the Jonas Turf segment. How many people are going to be like, oh, I'll just go on YouTube and figure out how to do it myself. Somebody will sell me something good. It's way cheaper than that lawn guy coming out. So I think if there's something to be done here um, from a business perspective, I was having a conversation with this or about this with somebody else in the business here is I think now more than ever is positioning, right? That. You know, you're, you've learned from COVID that your time is valuable as a consumer. Let somebody else handle it who knows what they're doing and that's good at it. Number one. Number two, the knowledge and the experience factor, right? Do you really want to mess with that stuff that, you know, could be potentially harmful or potentially, you know, you screw up and now you've got this big problem to deal with in your property, up, whatever the case may be. And yeah, time's up and it could be over too. So bottom line is this, is that, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I think people are holding on to cash. And that's only because it's a function of what's actually inbound into their business right now as far as leads and opportunities. That's my take. Uh, I'm going to roll through this last one here because we're over real quick. Uh, oh. The Alberta City Council meeting was disrupted by people claiming herbicides are linked to a gay agenda. Pause. And, <laughs> okay. I thought I thought I thought I thought I thought Brian Wayland lived in North Carolina and not Alberta. Was I misinformed? Uh, he travel? No, Does he, he have a passport? He, 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 uh, he wait, wait, wait. Was he recognized by Alberta City Council for his master gardener certificate? Yeah. He he, he was resolution knighted. was passed. Look, this is so infuriating to me. Um on 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 multiple fronts. And and again, for anybody, Matt, uh, Matt. shout out to our patrons that were here for our pre-show uh <laughs> monologue that campaign, I gave on. I screamed. And I, I will edit that, and now I've got to bleep out a probably 732 F-words. Um, and uh, so bear, bear with me on that, but I actually do want to get that out because, I, you know, I feel, I feel like it's something that needs to be said right now. That being said, uh, we have the ultra-conservatives that uh, stepped into this meeting right here, and they're screaming that they are the federal government is spraying trees with chemicals that is changing men's gender. And I quote, another way to stop your trees from dying is to request the feds stop from spraying kerosene, raw gasoline, raw diesel, strontium, aluminum, barium, lithium, atrazine. You know what atrazine does? It turns males into females, quote, literally, unquote, McDavid said. It's in lots of the herbicides and stuff like that. That's really technical. They put it on the plants. Nobody's watching that stuff. Nobody. Easy job to figure out what's going on with the trees and stuff and why they're dying. It's got <laughs> nothing to do with climate change. First off, the trees are not dying. The trees are not dying. I, one of the things you notice with increasing CO2 rates is that our vegetative uh, 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 expansion rates that are going on right now are off the charts high. So, no, they're not dying. The second piece of this, and, and look, this right here is an ultra-conservative group that's doing it. There are an equal number of, of ultra-liberal uh, groups that are saying the same thing, and they're holding hands. It's like the ultra-conservatives and the ultra-progressives that are holding hands. If you've seen that, like, oh, I, I'm so woke that I agree with my racist neighbor here. It's the exact same thing. It's the <laughs> exact same thing. 
that you have gone so far to one direction that you made a complete and total circle. You did a 360 and you're still as insane and stupid as you were before. We have gone through this before and from the ilks of Stephanie Seneff and all the other lunatics that are out there that have perpetuated this idea that herbicides are, are, are uh, in her particular instance, it's glyphosate and autism and the shikimate pathway. And uh, uh, what, what, is, what, is, what is the other one? Um, oh, it is the, the phosphated glycine is being interpreted in the human body in replace of the glycine molecule and is, is having a mutagenic effect. Uh, but uh, again, we do not contain the same pathways as the plants that are affected by glyphosate. So it's all for naught. This is this this is COVID conspiracy on methamphetamine times one thousand. Like this is this is <laughs> intravenous methamphetamine uh, into the into the the lunatics of the world, and that's what we're seeing right here. And I and I love it that they're turning this into a religion thing. That we respect the Christian communities need to have a moral standard, uh, but you know a moral standard like we are promoting the gay agenda by using atrazine to spray our trees to turn the boys gay. I don't think that's what's happening here in this particular instance. This is not a chemical issue; it's a cultural issue, and nobody wants to point at one another and say, "You know what? Maybe we're the problem. Maybe we're the psychopaths. Maybe." We are freaking everybody out in this particular instance. And you know what? They are. They are. And it's and it's it's absolutely nuts. Um, I'm gonna stop there because because I've 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 done this rant already today, but we have covered a lot of these topics before in the past. We did a deep dive on does atrazine actually make mm. people gay? Uh, and the, the reason why we did that is because <laughs> the whole study has been replicated multiple times since then, and it has never been able to produce the the uh, the initial results that were produced by the uh, the original scientists out of Stanford that conducted the test. And in fact, a large portion, and you're going to say, well, well uh, Monsanto hired all these people to come in and rewrite the results, and that's why they were never able to, to replicate it. No, 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 no. That is what this guy is saying at Stanford. And in, in fact, you want to get even weirder in it. I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there because tensions are already too high as it is. Put it this way. They've attempted to replicate it multiple times. They've never been able to replicate it. Is atrazine a safe herbicide that everybody needs to go out and put on everything they're growing? No, not at all. Nobody needs to be doing that. Atrazine is a restricted-use product. That's fine. We'll leave it that way. We're going to leave it to, to professionals who know what they're doing with it, and that's that's perfectly okay. We're good with it right there. Is the government spraying trees with atrazine? No, that does not make sense. You do not spray trees with atrazine. The the uh, the BMPs for vegetation management at the federal level, whether in Canada or the United States, typically involves metsofuron methyl, uh, amazepir, uh, 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 and glyphosate in that space. So atrazine and this that's typically going to be resolved for uh, uh, corn production and does not even involve this. So. Their, their argument is off and wrong to begin with. And uh, again, we have people displaying their psychopathy front and center. And, uh, and this, is, this is not limited to one party. This is just limited to what has become society. And that is where we give everyone 
who is psychopathic the opportunity to be famous because, well, it's what sells in the news. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? That silence is for emphasis, by the way. The dead air bear is for emphasis. We're, let's give it. Let's give it five more seconds of really uncomfortable silence here. Okay. <laughs> Joe knows tough. Mm. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today because Joe knows turf. <laughs> bring me, bring, bring me to the light at the end of the tunnel, Demay. I'm sure, I'm sure that's where we're headed tonight, right? I don't think I can do that right now. I'm, I'm, what if the light at the end of the tunnel is an oncoming train, as one of my yeah. friends often said? I actually heard that, that, that. I heard that phrase for the first time in a long time this past week, Ray. And <laughs> well, I can think of no better way to bring about this video and show you. Not only is it going to uh, infuriate, I think, uh, the three of us to some degree, but it's also going to infuriate J Pink because. He values production quality, and I think this one misses the mark. Let's go ahead and play this video. <laughs> oh. oh, sound, sound JPEG. We got. Thanks for coming back for another video on the channel. Pause. Now, if you follow me on. Now, for our audio only folks, I do want to make sure we we include them. We are uh, our, our audio listenership is increasing, and I want to make sure that so. This is uh, the lawn lover, and he says these why these are his favorite lawn care products. And the video is entitled Unleashing Lawn's Hidden Potential Meat Soil Microbes. All right, let's play it. Social media, or you follow this channel a lot, you know that I've been posting a lot about Turf Titan this year, and I've even opted to go 100% Turf Titan products on my lawn for my fertilization needs this season. Turf Titan, may the best lawn win. Also, the two project Wait. lawns I'm featuring also opted to go with pause. Turf Titan as well. Was that uncomfortable pause just from an editing thing, or did it like, shit, what happened there? That was weird. <laughs> I, are, the, are people stealing our pause for, for emphasis? Because if so, I'm... <laughs> Matt was doing that back in the Turf Up radio days. All right, let's listen, to, let's listen to this. Now, today I want to talk about two of my favorite products from Turf Titan, the Root Booster and the Thatch Buster, and why they're my favorite products of the whole lineup that they offer so far. So stay tuned. Dude, that intro music right there, I want to get this. That now you may be wondering badass. why these two products are my favorite out of me. the entire like lineup it. of products that Turf Titan <laughs> offers, and I would have one word for you. With or without the my bump room. of Special K, Matt? No, without. I mean, it, it made me feel like I was on K. <laughs> now, basically, Wait, can we go back and pause on that? Let's read this out loud real quick for the audio people. So this product, pardon my microphone noise real quick, is a, a mixture of microbial strains. Uh, it has bacillus, it has uh, cellulomus, it has pseudonomus, um, it has, what, what does that say, Fera, ferament residue? Fera, ferin, ferment, ferment? Fer, ferment, ferment. Oh, ferment, ferment residue, okay, so some sort of, of source. Non-animal. Um, and then 
On the other one here, we have microbial content, amazarillum. Uh, what, what is that? I can't see. More bacillus, uh, uh, more pseudomoma, uh, pseudonomus, and, uh, and some humic acid. So in all honesty, the difference between these two products is effectively nothing. Okay, I just want to make that clear. And now using that as food for thought as we continue through this, literally the only difference between these two is that one has a pinch of nitrogen in it and uh, and a, a pinch of humic acid. So one is brown and the other one is probably not quite as dark brown. Uh, literally the only difference between these two. Um, all, even the colony forming units of the individual components is not wildly different. One has the cellulomus, uh, cellulonomus and is that going to be the game changer here? Because it has, uh, you know, uh, a million colony forming units. No. Uh, so it, effectively, they're bottling the same thing, just making the color a little bit darker. And uh, so we'll keep that in the back of your mind as we move forward through this video. Now, basically, microbes for your soil are the unsung heroes of plant life. They're essential to plant growth, and they have a lot of benefits for your lawn and your soil. So let's go over a few of those benefits and why microbes are important in a, in a healthy turf plant. Most importantly, microbes feed on decaying organic matter, helping the soil become more fertile and rich with nutrients for your lawn. Microbes naturally make unavailable nutrients available to your plants. Microbes are nutrient releasers and they possess enzymes and minerals. Some nutrients exist in the soil, but are unavailable to the plant, and microbes convert those nutrients into available nutrients for your plants. Microbes also produce hormones and other chemicals that stimulate growth, and they can prevent pathogen infection by inducing plant systemic disease resistance. They coat root surfaces and they shield the plant from getting infected by pathogens. So I will say personally, last year when I started using Turf Titan, I noticed a huge difference within probably a week or two of application. Now I've posted several uh, before and after photos here on the channel of people that have used Turf Titan, people that, like you that have followed me, that have uh, chosen to believe in Turf Titan as well, like I have. Um, and the difference in you know before and after photos has just been incredible. You can see that deep dark green color uh, we're we're going to stop right there for just a second. Healthier. So if we if we go back and I and if I recall correctly, this guy is in the northern part of the Midwest. Uh, I don't know what state. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort, Fort Wayne, Wayne, Indiana. Okay. Um, and what we are looking at here is the difference between uh, grass on uh, uh, at March the thirtieth of twenty twenty two and then April the second of twenty twenty three. So we have a year difference to go to go through there. So we have an entire growing season. He's showing that his lawn is significantly greened up um, this year compared to the time last year. What we don't have for reference is what kind of difference in climate variability did we have between last year to this year. But we do have a bit of a hint. If you look at his lawn in 2022 and you look at the neighbor behind it in 2022, we don't see a lot of variability. They look pretty much identical. If we look at the lawn, this year of 2023, we look at the lawn behind it in 2023, we also do not see a lot of variability. And in fact, if you look at the lawn behind that, we can tell it's not quite fed as aggressively, but even in and of itself, 
uh, is still looking about like the same level of green up has occurred amongst all three properties. So even if he's treating the lawn behind it and the one across and uh, not the one across the street, we can see we're all on about the same green up level there. Therefore, to say to say that this is the product already, we are we are we are we are working in a fallacy. And, th- and I'm I'm not blaming the lawnmower. I don't think he is aware that this is even happening. But I want the people that are watching this and listening to it to again put this into the back of your mind as we continue through the rest of the video. Okay. Well, you can see that deep dark green color, and you can just see the grass starting to look healthier. Now, I would attribute a lot of that to the soil microbes. Basically, what I like about these products in relation to the soil microbes is putting all these beneficial microbes into these products helps take a lot of the matter that's in your soil, like I said earlier, that is unavailable and it can't be used, like thatch, dead thatch that's choking out your grass, Um, breaking that down, turning it into nutrients that your grass can feed on in addition to your fertilizer. Now this organic matter is gonna do a great job of feeding your turf, feeding your plants, um, and, and just making everything look a lot healthier and be a lot healthier. And then when you put down the other rounds of fertilizer, um, like your nitrogen fertilizers, your phosphorus, your potassium, it's just gonna further overall make that turf healthier, more lush, and just improve the overall quality of it. So as you can see here with the thatch buster, we'll go over this one first. Um, you can see it's powered by microbes. Now if we turn it around, Thatch Buster is full of beneficial strains of microbes. Now I'm not going to go through and try to p- pronounce all these, but it's full of uh, bacterias and microbes that are basically going to break down that thatch layer in your lawn, break down that organic matter, and turn it into food for your lawn. Now I will say I put this down, Thatch Buster, I will put it down with almost every application that I do. Um, on the Lawn 360 program. I find that just continually getting that process, that the process in the soil of the microbes and getting things feeding on those microbes just helps keep everything consistent and keeps those microbes working in my soil. Now I do put this down, like I said, with almost every application. The thing I like about the Turf Titan products is I can mix these products all together in either my backpack sprayer or in a hose-in sprayer. I have no issues mixing any of the products and it saves me a lot of time from spraying multiple applications of things and I find I get better coverage with the liquid. Now this goes down at four to six ounces per thousand square feet and like I said I'll put it down every application which tends for me to be every four weeks. Now Root Booster is also full of microbes so what I like about Root Booster here is this is great any time of year as well. And I tend to put this down with every application. I know the 360 program doesn't call for that. However, I just love the soil microbes and I'd love to be pounding my yard with microbes over fertilizers just to get that natural matter and everything broken down and continually to break down and feed my soil. Now the good thing for the lawn lover. Yeah, we'll keep going. Ignore me. I'm just, I'm just about microbes making too, a comment here. Once they get in the guy. soil, they're going to keep working and they're going to keep breaking down Time's and feeding off over. of that matter. So every time you mow and clippings go down in the Shut grass, up, it's going to eat that matter and just keep feeding your turf continuously. So never a bad idea to put down microbes in your soil. So this one-two punch of Thatch Buster and Root Booster is fantastic. Also full 
of beneficial microbes and there's a little bit uh, 1% nitrogen in this product um, but basically all of these nitro uh, all of these microbes excuse me and humic acids are just going to help stimulate that root growth like we talked about earlier and and basically help that the roots grow deeper and which is going to basically make your lawn healthier over the course of the season now this also goes down at four to six ounces per thousand square feet and like I said, I do this every four weeks, or you can plan it out too if you wanna do more in the spring, um, uh, midsummer, fall, et cetera. But I would say the key times if you're gonna do it would definitely be spring to get that grass woken up and get those roots growing, and fall to get those roots ready before the winter Estimate. freezes. Uh. So I love the fact that Turf Titan includes soil microbes in several of their products here in the Lawn 360 program. It does nothing but help your turf by breaking down organic matter and basically providing more food and nutrients for your soil. I also like the fact that they source all their microbes from within the United States. They're not getting cheap microbes from overseas uh, like a lot of other companies do. They're sourcing it from within oh, the United man. States. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> what are we talking about in the pre-show? No cartel microbes in this country. Yeah, I, These colors don't run, go, We will go to war over it, guaranteed. We got a trillion dollar defense budget. We got to spend it somewhere. Microbes, high on the list. Um, all right, okay. are we going to start talking about, it or do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah, well, let, let, him, let him go a longer. Okay. No, so the first thing we'll, we'll turn this into a, a mathematical equation, just to put this into perspective. Actually, let me preface it like this: I do not blame the lawn lover for this. He is young in this industry. He he does not have a decade of experience. He he treats one lawn, maybe two lawns, and he's done it for two years. He's made maybe 50 applications in his lifetime. What could he possibly have, have picked up over that time frame to be able to speak with a degree of proficiency about microbe soil interactions? Uh, not a lot. And so what he's relying on is this company, Turf Titan, to give him a pitch sheet because he applies it, he gets a result, but he's also applying a shitload of other things, right? And so at that, at that point, we've talked about this before, that when you're applying a shitload of, of things, it's hard to isolate what's actually happening uh, to, to generate the result that you're seeing. And, uh, and so he is applying a new product. He has an overall greater output. Therefore, he equates in this particular instance what i added to it must be generating the greater overall output not time not the actual mpk i'm applying uh not the uh, the cultural practices i've changed over over the the last two years and so it's it's easy to be able to convince yourself that well it must be this it's got to be the focus on the microbes that i'm applying and then he's like hey guys man i've been spraying this you gotta look at these pictures there I'm like great here's some talking points for you to carry with you and uh now go talk about it on youtube and this yeah he, he doesn't know he's just he's the guy on the other end of this that bought into it and now he's bought hook line and sinker because well then this is what he's told and now he's getting attention from a company he has a company that's like, man, we want to stand behind you. We want to stand behind you. We want you to be our brand ambassador. And uh, and then as you're like, man, I'm just a lawn care YouTuber. And this, this company believes in me. They're standing behind me. And it feels good. And it becomes, you got to think about, about, you know, you've put 
hours and hours and hours, hundreds of hours into producing this content. And now a company's like, dude, we love what you do. We want you to be our brain. Imagine the adrenaline rush that comes with that. Imagine the flood of dopamine that comes with that. It feels amazing. And it feels like all that effort you put forward comes to fruition, right? It's the same thing. We see patron members sign up and it's the same level of dopamine rush. So I don't fought, fight, uh, uh, fault the lawn lover for this. Now, let's look at it from a mathematical standpoint. Um, here, we, there's, this is a, a random product called Supersoil. Same thing, microbes in a bag, right? They have 1 trillion microbes per kilogram. And the sales pitch is that it works like ma uh, magic. But if you do the math in the top three inches of soil, you're modifying uh, microbial bacteria by a whopping 0.0003%. Okay, that's just from a mathematical standpoint. Now, let's dive into some research. And uh, we'll, we'll do this one here. This is going to be native microbes eat invaders. Um, and so we have Schlatter et al. looked at bacteria and fungi uh, and fresh liquid uh, dairy manure. 60 days after manure application, they found less than 5% of the manure bacteria surviving in the soil. Manure-borne fungi also died off rapidly, even when applied to sterilized soil. The soil environment selects. The manure-borne bacteria and fungi died off quickly. Soils appeared to provide a strong barrier against invasion of manure-borne fungi and bacteria. Another one, this time using solid cattle manure, found exactly the same thing. As a result, the microbes produced in a non-soil environment die off when applied to the soil, applies manure, compost, extracts, and teas of either. Therefore, the beneficial effects of these amendments are probably tied to the other parts of the amendments rather than their biology. So this idea that you can take a foreign microbe and introduce it to a native environment and that it's going to have some sort of meaningful infection rate is effectively non-existent. It's non-existent. The amount of modification that you're actually making there is so minute, it's not going to produce anything that is going to be meaningful. Then we can get a little deeper into it. And this is another study here. And of course, we'll throw links to these. Um, and, uh, and as a, a, little, a little highlight here, um, and uh, what, what, is, what is the name of this study? So J-Pink can show it up and show. And this is going to be the abiotic and biotic filters determine the response of soil uh, bacterial communities to a manure amendment. And so this is going to be, you know, highly super concentrated. If you think this product has a high amount of microbes, applying manure is going to be even high shit tons, right? Shit, ton, literal shit tons. Um, what does it? Uh, what does the study say about the effects of manure extracts, compost extracts, teas, and vermicompost on soils? The antimicrobes are unlikely to establish because the habitats are so different. The environment selects which thrive. So, um, great, great pitch, lawn lover. Great pitch. You you are exactly what a brand wants on their team. As a as a manufacturer, I want a champion like you. However, at some point, the ethical side of this has to step in and someone needs to shake a little bit of reality into the situation. And that's why we're assholes, not scumbags or dicks, however you want to phrase it, um, is, a, is that the reality of the situation is, is that what you're getting from this product is actually nothing. And it's going to be the more complete picture of the nitrogen that you're applying that is likely generating 99.9% .9 of the results you're seeing. Uh, that being said, what else did I leave out, boys? Where where are we where are we lacking on this? Uh, just, I, I, think, I think. Go ahead, Ray. I think you've largely covered it because with microbes dying off soon after you actually apply them, uh, only thing that would be making a difference in his case is increased water, 
increased NPNK that he's applying because he himself just said it. These products are products that I admix into my existing application. And on a previous video, we saw him applying sprayable NPK. And I can tell you from professional experience that if you apply sprayable NPK to a lawn in sufficient quantity, that freaking lawn is going to be banging. Okay? Microbes are no microbes. Mm. <laughs> Just I, saying. I, I think <laughs> there's a lot to say here. I think this, uh, it's funny in a way and i I will uh, absolutely plug our own stuff but it's funny that the uh ron henry boron video uh gobbler dropped this week on youtube Mm, spicy because well listen i think it's a lot of the same thing i think there are um you know several hundred other things that i would worry about more and want to make sure that i controlled for before I got to microbial populations and trying to influence those with exogenous applications, right? So I think the the biggest thing here is that if you if you really dive in on the reading literature, li, uh, literature, and I want to give everybody Google Scholar is a great place to go, and you have to pay for access unless you have access to a university library. Let me send this link to J Pink real quick. Uh, university of, uh, or, excuse me, Michigan State University as probably what is the best uh, site that's out there right now. We're searching turfgrass literature. I'm gonna get the link here, copy. And I'll send this over here. Now, listen, um, if you if you dive into literature here and see what's been published in the last, probably like, go oh, say like five to 10 years, some really, really interesting things about being able to manipulate um, during different places or different phases of plant development, but also too, what all the literature says is that eventually nature balances things out, right? That growing grass of whatever kind, whether that's a grassland that's unmanaged all the way up to turf grass, that the best way to manage the microbial populations is to grow good, healthy grass. That supports all the food chains, everything that you need to have, right? So these extra applications. And even when you look at what uh, types of bacteria are in those particular products, it doesn't necessarily line up with what research would tell us might help and that's what a lot of these papers will say is that they're very short-term studies some of them are in the field some of them are in a greenhouse some of them in a growth chamber and what they all look at and say is that this is just a snapshot in time and that we would need more time and field conditions or whatever the other controllable factors that they have within their experiment design are to be able to say definitively yes this helps or it doesn't but it's it's funny is as you look at this stuff a lot of what is out there uh, in the soil and what is that, what's out there in different systems that these uh, plots or, or stands of grass are established is that that's what ends up being there over the course of time, right? That as much as you try to influence that, um, it, it might help for short bursts in different phases or different phases of plant development. Or the other thing too, that's really, really, really interesting too, is the, uh, the age of the system. So we've talked about this too before with like mm, um, yeah. nitrogen applications and being able to reduce as time goes on. This is probably a function of that to a certain degree, right? So that if you do have an older lawn, that there might be less of a benefit of doing this. But even with uh, nitrogen applications, I mean, there's really a good deep dive here 
uh, if we want to do it at some point in the future on uh, nitrogen applications, uh, P and K applications, different fungicides, different herbicides, and those influences on the microbial population. But the whole thing is, is that, again, the last part is good, healthy grass. Nature has a way of regulating that. There's a lot of other things to control and worry about before you get to I've got to make an, uh, a microbe application. But I will say this in defense of Lawn Lover is I would apply microbes well before I'd apply boron from a highly cured website. So Ron Henry, <laughs> eat a big bag of dicks and have a nice night. Uh, with that, let's check out this week's birds. How, how big of a bag? 55 gallons? <laughs> About the same size as a bag of Miramichi uh, Green. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 a, <laughs> a full cubic yard of. Uh, yep. Pallet. <laughs> Pallet. Where am I going with this? That uh, been, I don't the, know. That should have been your nickname in college the cubic yard. The cubic yard. <laughs> Cost of growth. Uh, fertilizer companies cash in while farmers and communities struggle. Uh, on a small vegetable farm in Georgia, Shaw Dasher used to grow watermelons every year. Last year, he didn't plant any. He said it's because of elevated fertilizer prices. Like many farmers, Dasher is finding it hard to stay afloat. The American public just doesn't understand what kind of beating our group of farmers have been taking over the years. Although fertilizer prices have fallen from their all-time high in March 2022, uh, when they spiked up to three and a half times higher than two years before, the commodity is likely to remain costly for some time, continuing to squeeze the food production system. Meanwhile, the fertilizer industry has yielded record profits. Canada-based Nutrien, the world's leading producer of potash fertilizer, saw profits increase 1,575% between 2022 and 20, uh, between 2020 and 2022 to $7.7 7 billion. That, that's an interesting statistic we'll have to look at. Uh, the Florida-based Mosaic Company, one of the largest U.S. producers of potash and phosphate fertilizer, netted $3.6 billion, a 438% increase from 2020 CF Industries, uh, made $3.2 billion, a 955% increase from 2022. The eye-popping figures have heightened concerns about consolidation in the fertilizer industries, uh, even as the Biden administration moves to boost domestic fertilizer production. When asked for comment, uh, Mosaic said in an email that the fertilizer business is cyclical and thus has volatility in prices. CF Industries did not respond to requests for comments. Nutrient did not provide a statement by press time. There are few clear reasons for the recent record fertilizer prices. What? The onset of the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic in 2020 caused disruptions to the uh, supply chain and labor shortages that hinder production of natural gas, a major ingredient in fertilizer. But that's a pretty clear reason that, okay. Uh, then came yeah. a series of natural disasters in 2021, a deep freeze in Texas, which froze natural gas wells. That, that's a clear reason. Uh, oh, and then a Hurricane <laughs> Ida disturbed natural gas and fertilizer production in the Southeast. That, Okay. Uh, another factor was reduction in exports from China, the world's leading producer of phosphate, a chemical element that is a key component of fertilizer. Then we had a war that kicked off in Ukraine and sanctioned Russia, the world's top fertilizer exporter. That's pretty clear. Disruptions in natural gas flow from Russia. And then, you know, we, we blew up a pipeline. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then the Mississippi River went to record low levels and it cut barge production, uh, you know, by about uh, 800 percent. Uh, there were a myriad of reasons why we saw this uh, big run-up in fertilizer prices. It's not just one thing. It was literally a whole menu of things that were seemingly going in the wrong direction if you were looking to obtain fertilizer. Several, several of those factors are referenced in a study. Co uh, Hart co-authored that was hailed by the Fertilizer Institute for providing the best analysis data will allow to date. But 
Some argue the study omits a large factor in the price increase. Market power as a result of consolidation. Uh, market manipulation is now the argument. Uh, the number of fertilizer firms in the United States has fallen from 46 to 13. Four corporations represent 75% of total uh, domestic production. CF Industries, Nutrient, Coke, and Yara. And just two companies supply 85% of the potash market, Nutrient and Mosaic. Uh, these companies took advantage of their dominant positions in the marketplace and increased commodity prices to the farmers in an effort to price gouge and extract all the wealth that they could from the supply chain at the very roots of fertilizer. Mm. Uh, United States imposed tariffs on fertilizer imports from Morocco and Russia, uh, following the petitions of Mosaic and CF Industries, thus, uh, uh, you know, foo barring that. Uh, and then the Farm Action wrote a letter to the Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice accusing the fertilizer industry of using its monopoly power to fix prices, requesting an investigation. Senator Chuck Grassley uh, stepped up on that one. Uh, Mosaic said that since the tariffs took effect, the number of foreign producers importing fertilizer to North America has increased and by extension made the market more competitive. In a company Q&A, Mosaic official Andy Jung said the tariffs are not the reason for the price increase and that the current market is not driven merely by a ruling for fair trade. And then they start mm. going into more about uh, consolidation, which without a doubt is happening. And then the farming communities are the ones that are hit hardest. Uh, there's a, a lot to undergo here, and I'm, I'm not going to s sit up here and pretend like um, uh, there's not. Uh, I, 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 I want you all to talk first. Well, I, I think what the, the main question here is that, yes, there are all these other factors and everything like that. But to what degree have the companies either individually or through, you know, just say collusion, you know, just come right out and say it, have have they essentially reached you know peak uh inflation inflationary tax greedflation right where they're just sticking it to everybody because they know they can and I, I think that's what's getting exposed a little bit here is that these you know these record profits now as prices come down are crashing hardcore now again the whole economic model of agriculture as it stands right now and health even to a smaller degree, um, you know, look at where, where lawn care is and trying to price stuff and catch up. Luckily, I think there's a lot of people that didn't pull the ripcord and go all out and beat their customers up on price, uh, even when commodity prices and fertilizer prices and even chemical prices were super high. Not that they're back down to pre-pandemic levels or will even approach that for a long, long time, if ever again. But the point being here is that it was... I, we'll never be able to say for certain, but how much of this run up in prices and now sort of resetting of the entire market as it stands uh, lays at the feet of these specific, these specific companies. I can only speculate, but I'm going to say that, you know, all those events definitely had a, had a, uh, a different flavor and, and making this all happen. But bottom line is this, is that, they saw profit and they 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 exploited it. That's my my interpretation of the situation. My facts you know, do have feelings. No, no. Likewise, uh, mine too. In that uh, there has become this unethical mentality in business, and. I'm going to quote somebody that shall remain unnamed because I think he's a fucking piece of shit. Ooh. Never let a crisis go to waste. Mm. Okay. And. Sorry, driver. That statement. 
is the kind of statement that if somebody uttered that in front of me, that would be the person that I'd be marching to the guillotine right now. Okay? Because Easy Ray. To, Easy. To prop to profit off of other people's misery and misfortune, that makes you a piece of trash, essentially. You are worthless if that's how you think. Because you know, Ryan, it is funny you should mention how some businesses took advantage of the crisis and raised their prices just in response to that to that situation. Did you know that I didn't? I didn't. What's the uh, what's what's the uh, the uh, turf analog to uh, you know the toilet paper crisis and everybody having to wipe their ass with you know napkins from KFC or something? Do we have that? I don't think oh, we have that. The no the uh, the post uh, the during pandemic and post pandemic uh, lawn crisis from business shutdowns to fertilizer price increases. There you go. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's... There you go. But then, as an ethical person, I refuse to capitalize on the crisis. You just need more microbes, because, Ray. That's where you screwed up. Oh, and you know what? Uh, going back to that, I don't need microbes, compost, etc. because, you know, with solid agronomy, your needs and inputs can be actually very minimal. <laughs> um, a, a, a couple of things that I want to note here is that we, it, what, this, what this article is pointing at is that profits increased by a dollar amount, right? What we do mm -hmm. not look at are the margin percentages, right? And huh. if we take a look at Nutrien uh, from uh, uh, just a, a net profit margin standpoint, um, you know, for instance, we were seeing really high, relatively really high margins at uh, uh, peak season last year. So this was going to be, you know, roughly 25% margins is, is where they were at. Then 19% margins, then 15 and now cruising at about 9% margins, right? So the, and then we, if we take a look at where the uh, margins end up coming from, is uh, it, it, a lot of this, a lot of this is actually not all coming from just uh, goods sold. So a lot of this is actually coming from trade. That is great. And, and uh, what I'm talking about is, is going to be commodity contract trade is where is where it's coming from. So a lot of times they are playing the markets as well, too, to secure uh, uh, gas commodities to be able to lock in to produce at a certain price. Right. So you nail a uh, you see uh, uh, an ever expanding uh, natural gas price coming uh, because uh, Ukraine is being invaded by Russia. You lock in some far out futures from uh, early 2022 into the latter half of the season 
that is not affected by the short-term future cost, and then you start producing at that cost, then of course you're going to be locking locking in significantly higher margins because the rest of the market is is going to be trading at a much higher cost. But you've got a raw a, a raw good material that is not going to be uh, uh, facing facing that same cost. So um, then the other aspect that we're seeing too is that also the the amount of of, of tonnage of material that was going was out of control high. Mm. That is another thing that I cannot figure out is that in the midst of all this going on with, with economic turndown and so everybody had a shit ton of cash that they were dumping however and wherever they could driving up the demand. And what we're seeing now is on the flip side of things. If you look at, uh, the amount of tonnage that's being sold, for instance, from Nutrient, it has fallen off the chart comparatively. So we're talking about 60% reductions in what's what's being sold. And as a result, revenues are also down 60%. Uh, net income is down 60%. Margins are down 60%. And so when they are talking about the cyclical nature of it, yeah, 100% it is because they are getting their dick beat into the dirt right now because what where people were uh, buying a significant amount of tonnages. Then we start looking at this, right? Because we had, everybody was ex expecting China to come in and scoop up all the grain at the rate they had been doing, and then they didn't show up. And so that trickle-down effect of, of not just buying from the farmers, it's going to be the uh, re result of, you know, we had the uh, uh, the, the, the pandemic um, causing the reduction in in production. Right. And I, I don't think anybody can deny that when you have when you are having to send people home for two weeks at a time from your manufacturing facility uh, because they were because they have covid. And then the people who work in their immediate immediate vicinity have to go home for five days uh, because they were exposed to someone who they interact with on a daily basis for five days. It makes sense that their tonnages went way down and they did their production capacity shrunk significantly. And, uh, but all of a sudden now sales are at a record high out of fucking nowhere while they don't have the people to be able to produce the product. And, uh, and they didn't even have, uh, uh, the, they attempted to open multiple mines and face catastrophic failures in those mines. Now, we could say some conspiratorial stuff there that, you know, what was the result of that? We also had food producers, you know, packaging facilities catching on fire every other day in the news, too. It was weird. It was really, 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 really weird. But we also have maintenance crews that are on short-sighted staff and stuff. So I can see – I'm totally going to play both sides of that. I can see both sides that there, there could be some ethics in play here. On the flip side of this – is that it could have also just been a perfect storm of they are at a monumental reduction in output and they're at a monumental amount of of demand and uh, and now we're seeing the flip side of that where they are absolutely getting their ass handed to them on the financial side of things and and to put this into perspective a company like Nutrien who was sitting on 3 years ago something like 20 billion dollars in cash is sitting on 500 million dollars of cash right now in June of last year, they were sitting on $100 million of cash. That's probably, what, a two-month road, roadway? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, runway? That is crazy.
that is not that's that's not good. Uh, so you know now all those ARs are starting to roll in. They got a little bit of cash, five hundred million dollars. But again, a company that size that employs twenty three thousand five hundred people, uh, a five hundred million dollar runway is pennies. And I don't know how many people have had to stroke a check for payroll. Uh, that's going to be, you know, three, four, five million dollars uh, just in one state, in one state. Uh, but uh, when you have five hundred million dollars and you're signing checks for five million dollars in each state and you're in 15 different states, it's seventy five million dollars a week. That is not feeling good. You are on the phone trying to collect money any and everywhere you could because you are freaking the F out. So anyway, I. I Look at me trying to play balanced perspective here. This is weird. That's, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't even know like where you were coming from. Are you okay? You, listen, here's the problem: <laughs> is you got okay. all your you got all your fake outrage done in the pre-show, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that missed it, please, 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 please. And the only way you can get it. Tell them that where they got to go to get to the pre-show. Patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Uh, so we 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 record the pre-show. It is it's held private um, because uh, you know we we talk about shit in our real life on that right and uh, and that's that's not necessarily for the public. But you know we 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 use the Patreon to to genuinely try to help business owners and uh, and people who t- who put the the level of investment in in property period uh, uh, to to the same level of passion that we do. And, uh, and so we try to foster that and we have a community of people that have, have gone from, uh, uh, not being able to identify mouse ear chickweed that are writing, uh, complex, uh, we'll talk about EV spreadsheet, a very complex, uh, spreadsheet that's, that's going to model weather and you can input different things like, uh, you know, growing degree days or, imp- uh, uh, clipping volume and all kinds of other insane stuff that, that, that gets done. And, uh, so it is. To, to, to watch the blossom that occurs there. And then, of course, too, you get more one-on-one access to, uh, to Ray, myself, and, uh, and to Demay, and, of course, J-Pink. And, and then, you know, we like to do, we like to do um, you know, a meetup every year. We, everything we profit from this, we pour right back into it, and we have a meetup. And so we, you know, get Ray a flight over here, and, uh, and we reserve a space, and, and, uh, and we, we do things. that We provide a scholarship. Uh, shout out to Aldo for winning our first annual scholarship. And uh, so we're not doing this to make money. We're doing this to try and uh, and, and and do and be a, a, a champion for the industry that gave us absolutely everything that we have. By the way, our meetup for this year, which is going to be Dirty Deeds 2023, is uh, as of right now, we are sold out. Uh, and there could be some fluctuation there. But for right now, uh, if you want to be on the list to attend that, uh, you need to, to reach out to Jay Pink because uh, as, of, as of right now, we are waitlist only. Zapow. Oh. Mm. patreon.com forward slash burner return uh oh one more uh herbicide applications and high temperatures uh warmer temperatures are in the forecast for the latter part of june across kansas and i saw this coming uh heat or drought stress slows plant plant growth processes this is especially important for systemic herbicides such as glyphosate and grass killing herbicides like clethodim and quizzaflop uh quizzalof quizzalof how do you say that right quizzalop yeah, quizzle Yeah. Uh yeah. as temperatures increase above 85, uh metabolic processes begin to slow down, therefore the action of the herbicide also takes a hit. 
Uh, leaves change in response to heat. You get a hardening off of the plant, thicker, waxier coatings. It's more difficult for the herbicide to actually make its way into it. And then uh, crop response to polio uh, uh, applied products. Um, you know, oftentimes you can get unintended injury to the crops that you're applying due to the heat. That all of a sudden, that uh, not, uh, that selectivity of the herbicide becomes, it trends slightly towards uh, non-selective. And then, of course, you also have the increase in volatility that comes with it. Um, and so uh, as it, it something to keep in mind as we are trending in our Midwest towards higher temperatures, this is going to go towards everybody out there. We're moving into the dog days of summer here. There's a lot of those things that we have to start taking into consideration. The idea of being able to make an herbicide application and, uh, and not uh, create some sort of injury on our desirable turf species is declining rapidly. And then also, the uh, the the likelihood of having a failed herbicide uh, application is also increasing as well. What am I missing on that one, boys? Oh, I think I think this is a uh, obviously it's geared towards agriculture, but I think it's uh, highly. Ooh, we had a question from uh, Dan the Lawn Man uh, on our Thursday Thursday episode just this past week about applying in heat. So I think. Uh, just going back to the basics and remembering, hey, like there's still going to be weeds and there's still herbicides that need to be applied. So just going through some of those best practices. And Ray, you talked about a few of these here. And I don't want to cross this over too much into Thirsty Thursday categories, but what would be your tips on uh, on thinking about herbicide applications? Whether we're talking cool season or warm season, you don't have to get down too granular of detail, but what do you think? What would, what would be your, well, give me your 60 second or less pitch. And if you say microbes, I'm going to fucking strangle you. <laughs> no worries i won't because i always consider now plant physiology okay that's just uh what i do and i also consider now when a weed is going through this warmer period i have to acknowledge that there's going to come a point where what that weed is going to do in order to survive that warmer period to be able to reproduce later in the summer or fall is it is going to metabolically harden itself so that the warmer temperatures and drier conditions do not kill it. And that is why sometimes, you know, make that a lot of times, my counsel to people is, you know what? Wait this out until late summer or fall and go at it again because you know what spraying when conditions are bad especially if we're talking about a few random weeds in a lawn we got to ask ourselves is this even worth it and to me a lot of times answer is not worth it because I frequently tell people now, because of the type of weeds that you have, we literally need to wait till fall or winter to address this. Mm. I'm not doing it right now. End of story. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable response, especially on cool season right now. It's just telling people, hey, there's a time and a place, and this is neither the time nor the place. Like, we're not going to do this. And so... Being able to communicate and uh, deal with those issues head on. And if they don't like it, you know, you just do a Mad Martin. You go out there with some uh, 4600 at five pounds per thousand and light <laughs> that shit up. 
Actually, sometimes that's what the doctor prescribed. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that the corollary of this are people making applications of the wrong things at the wrong times, and then they foobar the turf. And in addition, in some cases, they then get to foobar all of the surrounding trees and shrubs in the neighborhood. They become the neighborhood's favorite guy. All because they couldn't wait till September or October. And I've seen that happen. <laughs> and Matt knows what I'm talking yeah. about, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay, for, for those of you thinking about uh, going out on tall fescue with six ounces of sulfentrazone right now, you might. Oh, my God. Uh, you're not, you're not yeah. going to solve anything on cool season grass. Uh, we'll, we'll or, or, or what about these, these people? Can that interest you in aeration and overseed? <laughs> hey, uh, the the clover's coming out. I think I need to start spraying with triclopyr at three quarters of an ounce per thousand square foot. We got guys like that too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just be, be careful, everybody. Keep, keep it in the back of your head. Uh, let's check out this week's returns. La, 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 la. Uh, we are back. Uh, we're going to kick this one off with uh, human innovation because there's there's one thing that uh, we can look at as far as what is what is trending uh, with the world is that we we are continuing to see uh, incredible human uh, human innovation. And um, here uh, we have uh, some engineers out of the uh, Washington University in St. Louis that are doing big boy things right here. And one of the things we've been looking at is uh, is biosolids, right? And and why mm -hmm. do we want to reclaim biosolids? Is because we can recycle a lot of phosphorus out of that system. But uh, with it, well, a lot of times we end up picking up uh, a lot of things. That we, and then we also have the other aspect of it is that you know we're we're um, uh, it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult process to be able to recover a lot of it, right? And so the idea is is how can we modify that recovery process? isolate more with more specificity phosphorus and do so in a bigger cheaper and cleaner way well thanks to this team uh led by jason jen and uh what they have developed is a technology to recapture resources like phosphorus from wastewater recently the team explored using electrochemical devices the fundamental system that work inside batteries to split water molecules and pull solid usable phosphorus out from digesting it was the first effort to sim uh, simultaneously remove and recover phosphorus from solid municipal waste without adding chemicals, and it met its goal with surprising efficiency. Phosphorus is a compound of high interest because it's a limited resource. You could potentially save a lot of money. The team, which also included a doctoral candidate, Zhuzhen Wing, Zizhuan Wing and uh, Wang and undergraduate Darren Anand, post details of their experiment online, and they list a link to it right there. Um, what they did is um, effectively the uh, leaching occurs when electrical current flowing through the anode side of an electrode acidifies a slurry surrounding it. So uh, up until this point, if you wanted to isolate phosphorus from wastewater treatment, you know, you were using the solids as the source of it, uh, you would you would actually pass 
an acid through it uh, in order to dissolve the phosphorus and and uh, and pass it through, right? Well, it's not exactly an efficient process to be able to do that, right? Because now you need uh, catalyst chemicals to be able to get that done. Here, uh, we're actually using uh, electrical current. Uh, pretty pretty interesting. For removal, you spend a lot of time and money, and eventually you still dump it. Can we recover it instead? The idea was to have two chambers that operate at different pH. Sludge enters the anode chamber in which uh, current separates phosphate into liquid solution. The team transferred the phosphorus-rich liquid into the less acidic cathode chamber, and here free-flowing uh, phosphates, calcium and iron, from the original sludge should combine into a wider solid that precipitates to the bottom. And it goes on. So here we go. We have Again, human innovation at its finest, and uh, hopefully going to be able to take uh, the, 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 the not-so-positive things that come from uh, uh, wastewater treatment facilities of production fertilizer turn it into something uh, that can be uniquely and overwhelming positive. Because we do want and need the fertilizer, if not for anything else other than market competition. And, uh, and if we can do so by bypassing the rate of uh, accumulation of PFAS, uh, the concentration of PFAS, then even better. So shout out to this team for being badasses. Um, it sounds I like have something a question, Ray Matt. would do. Yeah, yeah. No, I have, a, I have a question. Sure. Why are sludge-type products not pyrolyzed down to what is known as phosphorus pentoxide. Why do existing recycling procedures always want to preserve the organic matter? Because the organic matter is where all the problems are. Mm -hmm. You see, because so the if you, because here's, let me, let me finish. Because if you sure. pyrolyze sludge, or biosolids to the point where everything breaks down to what's known as phosphorus pentoxide, and then you recover that phosphorus pentoxide and turn that into phosphorus acid, phosphoric acid, then that becomes a phosphorus source that is essentially free of all of these problematic organic you know, contaminants. Be it PFAS, hormones, etc. I mean, that's just my question at this point because, you know, that is how I would literally do this because I am not interested in preserving microbes or whatever in this material. I'm not. I want to get the phosphorus out and I want to leave absolutely everything else behind. And when I say everything, I mean absolutely everything. Which, in effect, this is now doing, uh, you, you know, the now you're still generating an organic matter uh, because you're just stripping the, the phosphorus, iron and calcium out of it. Right. You're still left with, you know, goo uh, in effect. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, that goo can then be dealt with, like with paralysis or whatever else. But the problem in and again, this is where we start getting into the weird, the weirdness of. Uh, the, the state of the union is um, when you pyrolyze material, you have um, a, a gas stream that is generated, right? And that gas stream, uh, regardless of the amount of scrubbing that takes place of said gas stream, um, you know, is, uh, I mean, if we, if we, if, if, if New York has eyes on gas stoves, 
um, imagine, imagine what the EPA would look at at even a scrubbed, pyrolyzed <laughs> municipal waste gas stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the it, same time, regardless of what's coming out of it, if it was hydrocarbon free, yeah. carbon free, they would look at this and just beat it to holy hell. And then you would have the nutcases that say, you know, you are you're raining toxic uh, chemical sludge on top of all of us uh, in the same way that they say, you know, glyphosate is in the water we drink and the atrazine that the government is spraying the trees with is uh, is is turning dudes into chicks. They're they're they're, so spleen, they're literally so growing dudes are growing vaginas now. No, so explain me this: How come the similar cir- circle of nutcases then thinks that anything biosolid based is such a wonderful fertilizer to spread all over the place because it's organic? Yes. Why? That, that is true. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You see, Matt, that is the logical disconnect because. You know, as much as I love chemicals, I sure as fudge don't want unknown or undisclosed chemicals present in a fertilizer product. And you know why I say that? All of the synthetic fertilizers that the activists keep on shitting on are extensively tested for presence of heavy metals and toxic components right i mean that's Mm -hmm. just that's just how it is i mean you cannot sell a bag of triple 13 for example without being able to assert that there's no lead in that there's no arsenic in that there's no cadmium in that for example and there's also not going to be significant you know amounts of pfos or pharmaceuticals or hormones etc present in that product. I mean, this is where, again, I say, can we please make this all make sense? Can we? I mean, can we make this make sense? Because... I... No. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, is that the, the the further and further that we have to go down this road of trying to take waste streams and turn them into something that is usable, right mm-hmm. most likely the further and further we get towards okay either we've created another way stream that is even uh more worse. discouraged yeah. Or, or yeah or worse yeah. right mm-hmm. and we've gotten the good stuff out of it but to what ends and what are the means that we need to take to get there and that is what's gonna what, what matt's saying i think what's ultimately going to trip this up is that yes it seems like a great idea until somebody gets hold of it and say well wait yeah you made that from that but how did you do it and what's left behind and is this stuff actually really what you say it is you know so uh, yeah and and yeah this, that's the, that's the problem right and this is why as a rule i am very much anti recycling okay i will put it out there i am anti recycling <laughs> i mean burn it bury it well guess what you're not going to have to rec- you get, the good news is right our our upcoming article here you're no longer going to have to recycle because everything that everybody was worried about is going away. It's gone away. Tell them why, Matt. Yeah, uh, because um, the 
A mineral deposit has been discovered in Norway that could satisfy global demand for fertilizer, solar panels, and EVs for 100 years. Chalk it up, boy. Boys, we are now going to war with Norway. Uh, an underground <laughs> deposit of high-grade phosphate discovered in Norway is so big that it could provide enough of the critical material used to make fertilizer, solar panels, and electric vehicle batteries for the next 100 years. Uh, Norge mining. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> this is terrible. This is this is the state of pessimism I'm in regarding uh, global global ge geopolitics. Is um, what if this got so held up in in red tape that for the next hundred years it never launches? Um, that Matt, would just be that's a the most beautiful that's a, that's thing a that has ever happened. And that's and, a legitimate and concern because as a result of yeah. it, we deserve. Yeah, because we are talking about. Yet another one Time's up, of it's these over. European countries that, in essence, has decided to let people starve and die rather than perpetuate the human race. Norway is another one of those places so environmentally conscious that it would rather see people drop dead. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, you know, in again... Anybody who's looking around in the in the in the Danish areas with uh, what's what, what's going on with farming and uh, mm. specifically with with animals, um, it is interesting to say the least. And we've covered it a million times on the show, and I'm sure we're going to have at least a million more times to cover it. And uh, but hey, they found a mine. We'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll turn up like the uh, lithium mine in Las Vegas. Hey, how much lithium are we pulling out of there now? It's been uh, it's been underway for what uh, three years. Um, ain't gonna, two, ain't two gonna happen, years. Matt. Oh uh, yeah, that's ain't right. gonna happen. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, but you know what? Gonna we happen. will. We will. We'll get it out of Venezuela or something instead. So that way, mm -hmm. uh, we can we can champion the success of it and take credit for it, and uh, and then point to them <laughs> and say, you know, hey, uh, you guys are the polluters over here. When um, anyway, we it's See. insane. It drives me nuts. High schoolers made a wheelchair that mows lawns for a handicapped man. Um, again, hmm. we're going to end this on human innovation again, because, um, sh 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 I want to, I want to give a plug to my, my Catholic school brethren out there, someone who is a product of parochial and uh, Catholic high school. And as are my kids and my brothers and sisters saying that Catholic high school has a team that put together, um, a mowing attachment for, uh, for a guy in a wheelchair. And, uh, they engineered a couple of designs, built a few prototypes. And uh, and then eventually they were able to, quote unquote, dad joke, hack away at different ideas on paper until one of them mm -hmm. worked. And uh, and then they were able to do this. Um, and the, the guy who got who got this, he 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 had to fight back the tears. And that that is what makes it all this work. As, as pessimistic as I am, that's that's what it's all about, to be able to bring that level of joy, the joy of mowing a lawn, which I don't share. Uh, but at least the joy that this industry brings me, I'm glad it also gets bestowed upon this guy who, uh, for all intents and purposes, had uh, unfortunately lost that capacity. And now he has it back again, thanks to these students. Good on them. Uh, we're running way long, so I'm going to go ahead and dip this. Uh, gentlemen, I love you guys. I want to thank everybody for listening. We are going to go hang out with the patrons real quick and let them choose the title of this week's episode. Uh, we will be here on Thursday with Thirsty Thursday. What's coming up on Thirsty Thursday this week? Uh, Senior Lawn will be here this week. Senior <laughs> Lawn. We've had to do a couple reschedules there, but you know what? We got to figure it out. He is going to be here 
this Thursday. And uh, so we're going to talk to a business owner and uh, and we are going to, um, it's going to be fun. How about them apples? All right, y'all. Love y'all. Catch you on Thursday. Bye.